morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. We're starting off with show notes today. We've got our Evening with Mediums event coming up in August on the 24th and December on the 14th. Tickets are still available for both events at the website bysarlo.com. Sips of Sanity podcast series is on the website by sarlo.com and those are about five to ten minute shows that give you tools for the toolkit. Quite often an emotional intelligence toolkit or intuitive. We also have personal sessions that are available and gift certificates. You can purchase and experience the sessions from anywhere in the world and you can pay pretty much by any method minus debit. So that's quite possibly our quickest show notes. We're eager to jump into a happy story today because unfortunately it is snowing right now as we record. So we wanted something nice and light to give to you guys. Well, and it's April. I mean, that's de- that's a little bit depressing. So a, a more uplifting show for today, for sure. Yeah, we are officially six hard months into winter. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't have winter like we do in Northern Ontario or Canada or the United States is going to listen to that and probably have a good laugh and think, well, what the heck do they live there for? (laughs) Anyway, this is a client story today about a gentleman who called in through FaceTime. At the beginning, he originally called and we couldn't connect. We were stumbling with each other with technology. And I didn't realize that he was the one stumbling because quite often I'm the one stumbling. Valid. Uh, I will confirm that. Yeah. It glitches on me. It doesn't always mean that I don't know what I'm doing. It means that technology fritzes because of my energy. So I go kindly with these clients. And I don't assume that it's their fault or mine. I wait to see how it plays out. Anyhow, his played out in the sense that once we finally connected with each other over FaceTime, he was explaining to me that he has a problem with the frontal lobe and he has a problem with memory, a problem with the brain. And that in fact, the reason he couldn't connect wasn't because of the technology. It was his own technical glitch. And it just, I don't know, I guess if you, if anybody's listening to that, maybe some people can go, Oh my God, I so relate to that. But also the fact of, are we patient when we don't know what it is? And if you don't know what it is, you're not going to know it's that kind of stuff that's happening to you. So there's a choice point there to be calm about it and let it play out and figure it out as it goes, or to be able to just be angry or to respond quickly. And I, I appreciated his patience and I appreciated mine in that moment of not rushing forward. So that's just a little thing that's not really about his session at all. But something I wanted to share with people. We began the session and at the very beginning he asked for medium. So we knew straight off that we were looking for somebody who had crossed over. And I was pretty darn certain it was wife because she was hanging around me quite a bit that day. And um, how do I say that? I want to say a spry energy. Really happy that she was able to move around And I didn't quite understand why she was extremely exuberant about shaking her body, movement. It was all about movement. So I just kind of filed that in the back of my mind that she had a lot of energy. When I asked him about why his wife would appear as somebody with a lot of energy, he giggled, had this really cute little laugh right at the beginning. And he said, well, I can kind of explain that in a long about way. And I said, well... 
I said, she has all this energy since she's passed over. But I get that if I said that to you, you might say to me, no, she wasn't spry. She didn't have a lot of energy. And I said, and as a matter of fact, you might say something like that she was bedridden, that she went in and out of coma or in and out of sleep a lot, and that she wasn't even really mobile for years. And he said, well, we're going to start the session off and tell you. And I wrote on the page, which is right in front of me, disease, MS. And I waited because he can't see the page because we're on FaceTime and the page is down on my table. So he can see me, but he can't see that I'm writing, even though I've let him know that I'm going to write notes and doodle. Or I won't say notes, I'm going to doodle. And so on the doodle page were, were those words and exercise daily. And he said, well, I'll fill you in on that. My wife was a gymnast. And she had the nicest quads you've ever seen. That's cute. <laughs> and he said, and I, and I might add, she had amazing calves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Honest to God, Kelly. This is the most adorable man I've ever met. Yeah. And he said, well, he made some comment about how her friends would say something about when she would lay down on the floor. Her calves were such rocks that her feet didn't touch the floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very cute, eh? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, he goes, no, let me finish. He said, my wife had MS. And he said she spent about 18 years in the hospital. So he lived in his home while she lived in the hospital. And they were married. And that was not the totality of their marriage in years, in duration. It was much longer than that. But for 18 of those years, she wasn't able to be the gymnast. Mm -hmm. She wasn't able to move her body in that spry kind of energy that she had in her younger years. So she wanted to be able to say, I was spry and had all of this energy and moved every day. Well, boy, if you're a, a, a gymnast, that not that spot on? but that a disease took all of that from her. And that through 18 years of their marriage, they loved each other as she experienced the loss of all of this. And that through that, I said to him, your wife says that the two of you made a commitment to love each other, wow. to check in with each other's needs. So she flat out said to him, I have been diagnosed I am going to lose all of my abilities to do things as a partner for you in some ways because, boy, if anybody's listening to this and has MS, there's no way that you'll lose your ability in all ways to love a person. Yeah. That is not true. But she did say to him at the very beginning of the diagnosis, you may leave. I am giving you permission. I am consenting to your choice to leave. So that you don't have to go through all of these experiences with a partner that's going to suffer. Mm -hmm. And that you're going to have to suffer to some degree with me because you love me. So she put that flat out on the table and he solidly made the choice to stay. Can I ask a question? Mm -hmm. Did he take time to think about it? I don't know. I can't answer that unless we check in with his spirit right now and ask. But he said that he responded that he was staying. Okay. He said that he fell in love with her at first sight. Hmm. 
He said that he knew this was his partner and that he knew somewhere within him that that was the right answer all the time. Mm -hmm. That he didn't go through the lifetime with her and ever question it, even though he went through a lot of things with her and on his own. Mm -hmm. He said one thing he knew for sure was that they loved each other and they worked on the relationship. It didn't become an excuse not to work. That's hugely significant for people. Mm -hmm. To hear that, to hear how difficult that could be with something added to it, whether it's one of you or whether you have a child that has a challenge that's going to be a part of your marriage your whole life. Well, and how about no physical challenge at all? How about just having two full-time jobs and lives? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I think any couple could listen to that and say, and this is what our excuse is not to work. Yeah, you could easily say this was our MS. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good way to word that. So what's our MS? Even though they didn't let a disease get in the middle of the two of them. Mm -hmm. We often do. So as that was going on, I could smell mints. And I'm not chewing any mints. And he's FaceTiming you. And he's FaceTiming me and he doesn't have anything in his mouth. I can't see him sorting a candy around or gum or anything like that. So I feel silly to some degree. Because now I want to say to him, and what about those mints? When in fact, I've got nothing to prove either one of us has a mint. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I brought it up anyway, because the spirit guide's giving me the smell of mints in my in the treatment room here. So I said to him, I smell mints. Is there a good reason or anything you want to throw at me to explain why I can smell and taste mint? And he laughed, leaned over on his leaned over on one cheek and pulled a pack of XL mints out of his back pocket. Cute. And he goes, I don't go anywhere without a pack of XL mints. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he goes, and my wife would know that. I've always got a mint on me. <laughs> and I said to him, so are you having fun? <laughs> and he goes, I sure am. And I said, are you comfortable knowing that your wife is here talking to you today. He goes, oh, well, I thought she was talking to you. You're the medium. And I paused for a second and I thought, well, how, how do I kind of say to a person, she wouldn't be talking to me if it weren't for you. I'm just relaying the message. We're a triangle. But I liked that he did that because I got to pause and be able to make that part of today's show that people understand that. Mm -hmm. I don't think you and I see it that they're talking to us. They're talking to their loved ones and we're just there to interpret it or to be able to bring it in for them and say it word for word or whatever it is that we can do. And I liked it that different parts of the senses were being used. So I looked over at her and it was like she was checking off a list, Kelly. She had a post-it and it was like smell, taste, seeing me, hearing me. <laughs> she was going through her list because he had Googled us and read it some things and listened to some of the podcast shows and he knew we used all six senses. So <laughs> he wanted to see or in some way through kindness that his wife would be doing her due diligence <laughs> yes. love it it was done with humor with kindness 
it was just such a lovely experience to be able to say, hmm, I smell mint candies. And then the next one after that was, she said, you tell him, I'll call him Max, because I don't think I've given him a name so far. So let's call her Bev and him Max. So Bev says to me, you please tell Max to get on that damn treadmill. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But I cannot see it behind him with the FaceTime on. Um, it's not in his visual behind him. All I can see behind him is a wall, which is also something that a lot of people do when we FaceTime is they put themselves, they take their little laptops and they move so that all we can see are blank walls behind them because they don't want us to see anything we can connect to. Or say, if there's a treadmill behind him, hey, she says to get on that and use it. Some clients don't think that's a clear affirmation because I can see it visually. My understanding at this point is that she's catching Max not doing something he's supposed to do. <laughs> and that she's trying to make sure that Max still feels that he has a partner. That he still has her. Checking in, holding him accountable, being a partner. Mm -hmm. He lives alone. He's been living alone for a very long time with nobody to hold him accountable like that unless he went to the hospital and told her. But in the last few years of her life, she was nonverbal. Mm. So at that point, I'll say he can get away with some of that stuff. It's not good, but he learns that he can. And I guess that too is part of how we live our lives as humans. We know we're supposed to do something. If no one's holding us accountable, do we hold ourselves accountable? If we feel slightly sad or deep, deeply depressed or grieving, do we let go of the things we know that are good for us? So anyway, she was bringing it up. And he took his iMac or his computer, turned it around like 90 degrees, and showed me a treadmill sitting in the middle of the living room. <laughs> and he laughed. And I said, so she's right about the treadmill? <laughs> because, I mean, it's sitting there. I just don't know if he's using it or not for sure. If I'm listening to Bev, no, he isn't. And he said to me, no, she's right. I'm not using the treadmill. I, she's bang on about that. And I, and I said, do you feel good? And he said, yeah, 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 Karen, I feel really good. <laughs> and I said, does it feel nice to know that she wants you on the treadmill? And that whether she's here as a human or not, you have to do it for yourself. That you have to stop trying to do something for her. That it's about doing things for yourself. And that anything regarding your health can be that it benefits the people that you love. But that it has to come from the place that you do want to do it for yourself first. Mm -hmm. So she's trying really hard to make you know that she understands that process you're trying to get to. And then she says to him, and I wrote down on the page, uh, walking, biking, walk until you feel a shift in your emotions, legs. And he said to me, um, that's all very true. He said, what, what else have you got about the legs? And I said, well, I'm being told that you can't do very much because you have pain and it's in your knee. And he said, well, what knee would it be? <laughs> And I said, well, if I'm correct with the synesthesia, it's your right knee. And he said, yep, yeah, it's my right knee. And I said, and I'm being told that you're waiting for a surgery, but they want you to lose some weight. So they're trying to get you just to watch your diet and exercise as much as you can. They don't want you sitting down for six months. 
until you go into a knee surgery. They do want you to have some mobility or things are going to lock up. So you're supposed to stretch. You're supposed to do as everything that you can. And he said, Karen, he says, I'm going to listen to that. He says, because I am waiting for surgery. And it is my right knee. And I said, she wrote down on the page for you, walk till your emotions change. And that reminded me of things that I had to learn years ago mm-hmm. about walking and finding exercise and finding something to do for myself till my fear went away or my emotion changed. And I got to see that another person was learning the same lesson. Different time frame in life, different reasons, perhaps I wasn't going through a surgery, but how important the exercise was to changing the emotions. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to exercise to get the muscle. We don't have to exercise to lose the fat. Sometimes the exercising is, is really all about how we feel. And it can be the way, the mind frame that we put ourselves in, the way that we think while we're walking. Because I think, you know, for example, nurses listening to this show right now, they might think I work 12 hour shifts. I don't have time or energy when I'm off my shift to walk. And it's like, okay, if you have half a second or an extra moment where it's quiet, get up and do a lap around the, around the floor that you're working and shift the intention of, no, I don't have a job to do at this moment, but Maybe I'll just check in on and make sure all the lights are where they need to be or all the blankets are where they need to be. Like you could shift to a different focus to get up and move until your emotions change so that you're not focused on the relationship or your anxiety. That's so good, especially for people like nurses or I don't know, teachers, all kinds of other professions where Movement is already a part of the day. Mm -hmm. I think about construction workers and people in the trades that really do have to move their bodies constantly. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the idea when you get home at the end of the day is I just want to put my feet up and watch TV. But what's actually really good for our emotions is to actually find something we want to do that's fun. Well, and I think point being that it doesn't necessarily start out as fun. That you may just have to set your intention to the movement first until the brain accepts that you can do something fun just with the brain itself while you move or that you can perform a task while you're moving that feels fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she teased him about running shoes and she told him to get his new running shoes on. New. And he said, well, if I lean to my right and drop my hand about six inches... I will show you. And he leaned over, picked up a box and put them down on the table, moved the camera down so I could see that he had just purchased a brand new box of running shoes. (laughs) That to me was a lovely affirmation for him that she was current. In his home that she hadn't been in for 18 years. Yes. Isn't that lovely? I just, I absolutely love how she just pulled such... Um, details out here, there, and everywhere through fun. Another message that she gave him was that he needed to be able to find or to be able to change his mindset. So she said, could you please tell him about the new book you've discovered? And we've, we've talked about it recently, Mindset by Carol Dweck. So I said, sure. So I said, Max, she says that you're stuck in some certain mindsets about what's going to happen to you for the future of your life. And that you're not open to the possibility of playing with a new Scrabble partner. And he sat back in his chair 
and put his hands on his belly and looked at me with the nicest, kindest, softest, most gentle look I've ever seen. And I said, so did I hit the nail on the head? And he went, oh, did you ever? He said, that's one of the things we did all the time in the hospital. We played Scrabble. He said it was something I looked forward to doing with her for as long as she could still move her fingers to pick up a tile and put it on the board. Eventually, she couldn't do that anymore because of the MS. He says, and we sure miss those days. We talked about them. And he said, but I'm thrilled to hear that she remembers the Scrabble games. And I said, Max, I hope you're thrilled to hear too that she's trying to say that if you can change a mindset, you might be open to the idea that somebody might come along again in your life. And I don't mean that it's to replace her. It's not to replace Bev. It's simply to say that somebody else might come along and she wants you to be healthy enough and on the ball enough to be able to enjoy a game of Scrabble again. And that it's okay to play Scrabble and to do something that you did with her for decades with another person. Sometimes we need to hear that from the people who've crossed over. It's okay to have sex again with somebody else. It's okay to have a game that you and I shared. It's okay to go to our favorite restaurant. It's okay to go to this city and do these things. Yeah, we always went to Ottawa or we always went to this place together. It's okay if you're there with another person creating different experiences. I don't feel angry. I don't feel left out. I don't feel replaced. I'm happy for you. Those are such important sentences to be told, to hear, to know, to feel. So that we have permission. Whether we realize we're looking for it or not, because sometimes we get stuck in our own mindset about that. It's not the other person that did it to us. It's us. We got stuck. And we didn't realize it's what's called a mindset. And that it is something that can be changed. It can become healthy. I enjoyed Max very much because as much as he needed and wanted all kinds of affirmations from Bev, he wanted to hear she was okay. She came through and said that she had no pain, that she was happy, that she had mobility. That she was spry. Yeah. All of these beautiful things, Kelly. And he sat there. He was hoping for those things. He sat back. He asked questions. He gave the affirmations when it was correct. He would help me out sometimes if I got stuck in something for a moment and say, did you mean this? He did everything in a healthy way as a client to engage. Well, and it sounds like he had years of practice with his wife. Oh, beautiful, eh? Yeah, and I, I think, well, you and I both think of that often when we have clients who are unkind or disengaged or just combative right off the bat, where we say wouldn't want to be married to them. Mm -hmm. And that's also years of practice mm -hmm. of I communicate this way or I engage this way. Yeah. And, and I really do believe that when clients come to see us and they are here to test or they do it through meanness, that they're not exclusively mean to, to us. us. Yeah, absolutely. 
that that goes around in their life to other people. And if they don't believe that, that's their delusion. It's practice. Like I said, you don't just walk into a random person's room and choose to be mean if that is not already your disposition and your mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's my story for today. I know it's a short one, a short podcast and a short story, but I think it was full of things for people to think about. If you're already there, good for you. And I mean that. We need more of you. But if you're not there and you're one of the other people that listened to this and thought, wow, I don't connect. I'm hearing how Max and Bev connected. They didn't let the disease and all of the things it presented to them over all of those years of living in two different places, stop them. They were problem solvers through and through. For every step of the way of what the disease did, they problem solved constantly as to what is her need and what is my need. And through that process, he had problems with his heart. He ended up in a surgery. He had his own issues. Medical issues as well jobs, everything. Think about that for a period of time. Think about it if you're listening. 18 years. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, new love, there's that old saying, if it's us against the world. And if you really mean it, then you get through the things that Max and Bev did. And you approach it with fun, not that you're up against all odds. You you stand there and say, how do we want to love each other through it? How do we come out the other end being us? That was the key that I heard over and over through their relationship. The checking in they did for each other. Okay, you're at home. What do you need to do at home? Can you be here tomorrow or do you need to be at home? What's going on at work? Do you need to be there instead of here? They checked in with each other's needs. You're here at the hospital. What do you need? Is the staff here meeting your needs? If they're not, can I speak up on your behalf? If you can speak up just fine, then is there something that I can do from you for you from my perspective as your partner? Can I lay in bed and hold you and hug you? And he explained that when she passed, he got in bed and held her. Hmm. He put his arms around her until she took her last breath and he just hugged her. Partners. Not just, this is what I should do. I'm a spouse. I should hold her. I should touch her. No, you make it so that is the... That's the safest place in the world. And they were each other's safe place from start to finish. And then beyond, and she proved it. As did he. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. It's my bar. Max and Bev, a bar. It's a good kind of thing to have in your life, a bar. To hear a story like this so that we can say, I'd like to share this with my partner. I want to share this with my wife or oh, my... I want that. Yeah. Just to be able to say, I want that. How do we do it? Mm-hmm. The same way you look at a patio set in Canadian Tire and say, I want that. <laughs> How do we get that? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then every step is towards that goal. And the check-ins all along the way are productive and constructive towards that. That's what I saw in two people that as far as I could see and feel and be a part of for that hour, got it. They got it. And it was wonderful to be part of. 
Well, I hope you have questions and or comments for today's show. If you do, you can email us at info at Karen, thank you so much for sharing. Oh, it was my pleasure today.